You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast. It is Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. And I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com as we prepare for week one of the NFL season. By the way, this opening week of the NFL here on the Locked On Podcast Network is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Promo code Locked On gets you 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code Locked On. As the Jets prepare for week one of the NFL season, we are joined by a special guest today. He's a good friend of the program. The preseason voice of the New York Jets, Ian Eagle, is back to help us preview the Jets in the year 2019. So let's jump into my conversation with Ian Eagle about the 2019 New York Jets. It is week one of the NFL season, and joining us to preview the 2019 New York Jets is the voice of the NBA copyright warning, Ian Eagle. Ian, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Oh, uh, yeah, put that on my tombstone, John. Is this now officially a tradition? How many years is this for us? Two or three. I, th- I think this is the second year you come on to preview the, the game. I think you, you did one before the Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Patriots. I think this is your third trip overall. But every right. single time I've referred to you as the voice of the NBA copyright warning. That's your official title on this show. Trust me, I'm, I probably get more play on that if you just did a, a general time code on every time that's played on every single NBA broadcast. <laughs> it's, it's Regis Philbin-like, the amount of time <laughs> I've spent on television with that copyright. Yeah, and you, you, I introduced you as the voice of the NBA copyright warning on your first visit, and you told me I was the first one to ever do that. So uh, that has to be like your official title. And I remember I heard you on Beningo once, and Beningo pointed that out, and I was like really excited. So I was like, yes, I beat Joe <laughs> Beningo to that. <laughs> Congrats, John. Oh, it's That's going to be on your day. tombstone. Yeah, it was, it was a glorious day. Um, anyway, of course, I had called the preseason games for the Jets locally on CBS2. And you hear him throughout the year calling AFC games on CBS, along with various basketball. He's the voice of the Brooklyn Nets on uh, the Yes Network and calls college hoops. Uh, he's all over the place. But So we're very uh, thankful to have Ian with us. Um, so, Ian, uh, I guess my first question just deals with your sense of the state of the organization right now from what you've seen being around the team, because it was kind of a chaotic offseason for the Jets between a coaching change a lot of activity in free agency. You go through the draft, then then a general manager change afterwards, and you know it seems like it seems like it's been a while since the Jets had the general manager and the head coach on the same page. You know, you go back to um, obviously Adam Gase and Mike McCagnan only lasted a couple of months. Prior to that, there were all kinds of reports. Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles. It wasn't so much that they had a bad relationship as much as. Kind of sounds like they had no relationship before that. You had Rex yep. Ryan, Dick, who weren't on the same page. I mean, you probably have to go back to Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum to have a pair that was on the same page. And you know, with Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum, especially near the end, they weren't always on the right page, but they were at least you know working together well. So, what's your sense of what's going on with this organization now? Is do things finally seem like they're kind of stabilized and heading in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a different vibe around the team compared to previous years. You know, you almost have to remind yourself when the numbers start accumulating the way that they are. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2010. 
So that's now a substantial amount of time when you start going back in your brain and trying to figure out what iteration of the Jets was last successful. They haven't won a division title since 2002, and we know the Patriots have dominated the AFC East over that span. But normally there's statistical blips along the way, and that was the one in 2002 with Chad Pennington and company. Yeah, different feeling around the team. Uh, Clearly, uh, changes had to be made. There's a different energy just going out to training camp, the way Adam Gase conducts himself, the way he interacts with players, the, the chatter that goes on between him and Greg Williams. Uh, Jamal Adams certainly gets involved in that. I just think they took a circuitous route, but they do feel good about the people they now have in certain positions with Gase and, and with Joe Douglas. Strange set of circumstances, no doubt about it, to have a general manager conduct the draft and then make the decision that he was no longer going to be part of the organization. But in my mind, if you knew in your gut, you're the Johnson family, that you had to to do something in that area, then best to do it instead of sucking it up for another year and hoping that Gase and McCagnan find common ground. Uh, clearly, they determined that was not going to happen, and they went out and got the best possible candidate. You know, in, in this business, it's rare that, that somebody is universally liked and universally praised, but I would say Joe Douglas is about as close as you're going to find in that category. Everybody felt that he was one of the next guys and deserved his chance based on the work that he had done in previous stints with Baltimore and with Chicago and, of course, with Philadelphia. And uh, he's getting that shot, and he's walking into a pretty good situation with a franchise quarterback and an ownership that is motivated to try to do things the right way this time around. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you, no questions asked. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's 20% off your first order at MacWeldon.com, promo code Locked on. I'm interested you, you're, what you can tell us about Adam Gase as somebody who's been around the AFC for a long time. I mean, I'm sure you've interacted with him quite a bit. His tenure with Miami yep. was up and down. So, uh, you know, what, what can you tell us about him? I like him a lot on a personal level. In our sit-downs, he's very direct and he's honest. And I'm not saying that automatically that means you're going to be a great coach, but in terms of communication, I respect how he goes about it. Look, I think you and I have had these conversations before in regards to how head coaches handle themselves and what you get in the meeting isn't always what you get in the meeting room with players or out on the practice field and vice versa. So you can't just 
take everything that you hear in a production meeting and presume that uh, this is how it goes day to day inside the facility. But you do get a gut feeling as a play-by-play announcer and as someone that's just been around this now for 22 years. And yeah, I think I think he probably can be blunt, which may turn some people off. But ultimately, I think NFL players want to be coached. Uh, they want to be put in the best position to succeed. And to me, although your bedside manner comes into play here, being honest and being frank is a positive. And I think Adam is just that. Uh, There's definitely a presence with him. He's uh, quirky in a good way. And uh, he is fully engaged in this job. There is no doubt about that. I think he eats, breathes, and lives this day in and day out. This has been his aspiration to to be a successful head coach in the NFL. And I do think he's a smart guy that will take away a lot from his Miami experience and try to apply it to his second go around here. This is really a golden chance for him and for his future. Uh, he needs to do well at this. This needs to be a success, not putting an exact number of years on it. You know, a big key for this team and and for Adam individually is going to be that relationship with Sam Darnold. And if I was going to make any kind of comparison right now, if you're a Jets fan and you're trying to look at some kind of inspiration for what this could be, I would look at the Sean McVay, Jared Goff pairing and look at that as an example of what could happen with the right creativity and the right brand of coaching and the right talent at the quarterback position. Although Sam had a better year than Goff did in his rookie season, McVay unlocked a lot of the confidence necessary for Goff to be successful and also creative play calling and weapons, which the Rams clearly had and the Jets have a bunch, but now it's going to be up to to Adam Gase and Sam Darnold to find that chemistry and, and that cohesiveness to take a big step forward. Speaking of Darnold, you know, I was around the team a little bit during training camp, and I can tell you, I'm interested to see if this is also your perception, but just from being around the team, the feeling that I got from from people I was speaking with is that in the past, they were talking about some of the recent young quarterbacks like Sanchez and Geno Smith. They were saying, look, in the past, we were hopeful. You know, We were hoping and we were trying to be optimistic. We think this is the guy. Like, we We're very confident that this is the guy. That I mean, if I was yep. to sum up the feeling around the team, is that, is that also the way you saw it? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, there's definitely a, a poise there with Sam and not – a feeling that he's trying to do all the right things. I think with Mark and with Gino, in my experience and just observing them, I think they were trying to check the boxes. And look, uh, there's there's definitely a, a theory in life and a philosophy of fake it till you make it. And sometimes there are a bunch of success stories that, that can back up 
that methodology. With Mark and with Gino, I think they were trying to act the part of being a leading man and being a starting quarterback in New York. I think it comes more naturally to Sam than it may have for for those two in particular. So if we're just going by that comparison based on the recent players that the Jets were hoping could be a franchise quarterback, I would give Sam the the check mark. Now you gotta go do it. So the fact that everybody feels that way, that's a good sign. But you still have to go prove it. You still have to show it on the field. But the the signs are there. Uh, there are clear indications in his leadership ability and the way that guys respond to him and the way that the players talk about him, including Le'Veon Bell, when we sat down with him prior to the Atlanta game, and Jamison Crowder, and other guys that would have more insight. And look, of course, there's going to be a little bit of taking the company line, but usually you can see through that. I just felt it was very genuine in the way that they were discussing Sam and what the upside is, what the potential is, and the belief within that building that he is the guy. Uh, that, that goes a long way. Uh, it also goes a long way in a young quarterback gaining the necessary resolve to deal with the hurdles of playing that position at the highest level. You know, I think it's the toughest position in all of sports, not just based on what you have to do on the field, but the way you interact with your teammates, the way you're viewed in the locker room, on the field. It's, it's a full-time job, 365 days a year. And my, my sense is Sam is, is up to the challenge. And I, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be a huge asset for him. And if you, you, know, you mentioned the parallels potentially to the Rams with McVeigh and Goff, and I think about how a big, what a big help Todd Gurley's been in yep. Goff's development out there. And it, I think there's always a little element when you pay a free agent big money there's always a little element of you know is this guy going to just take the money and be satisfied now but i'll tell you when i was at camp i couldn't get over what i mean he looked like he was in great shape i, I think he's primed to have a big year yeah that's my feeling too obviously when you haven't played live football in 20 months right. there's going to be some concerns just based on the physical part of it how your body is going to respond I did a lot of Steeler games through the years with Le'Veon Bell in, in a Pittsburgh uniform. And I was always amazed at his ability to turn something out of nothing and times where he just went with the play that was called and churned out his four and a half, five yards based on his talent and, and cutting ability. He has a very unique skill set but he's hard-nosed. It's, it's not that he's elusive because he's trying to avoid contact. That's, that's not the issue. He's, he's up to it and up for the contact. It's the vision. It's the agility. Uh, it's unconventional in many ways, but his patience is instinctual. It's going to take a little time. It's, it's not going to be automatic when you've got a new offensive line with 
Khalil up front and Osemele joining him. It's not snap your fingers and everything is is in midseason form. But it's a position now, John, where you can really separate yourself in this league if you're special. I don't think there are that many running backs that are truly special anymore. Bell is one of them. He's one of five guys that is on a different level. If he's healthy and if things are clicking, and again, the, the Gase-Darnold dynamic, the Gase-Bell dynamic is going to be huge. Uh, Adam has got a little mad scientist in him. I think he wants to use Bell in a lot of ways and maximize him. And, and Ty Montgomery as well. I think you're going to see, as long as the trust level develops, you're going to see Ty Montgomery in there too. But I... I think that pairing could also be instrumental in in this team really uh, changing the way they're viewed and maybe changing the the whole timing of when success is supposed to hit. Bell's a star. We just haven't seen him out there in a while. And uh, until you see it, it's still a whole lot of chatter and and speculation. We're here today with, in my opinion, the best play-by-play guy in sports, Ian Eagle, previewing the 2019 Jets. So we just talked about Le'Veon Bell a little bit. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Ian, of the other skill players, and we throw Anderson in there, we'll throw Inunua, we'll throw Crowder, we'll throw Herndon. Who do you think is the guy to watch this year for the Jets on offense? You know, just talking to the coaching staff, it seems as if they believe Robbie Anderson has more ability than he's shown up until this point. He's in his fourth year in the NFL. He's been known as basically a deep threat, vertical option. I think they trust him to do more. And that would be a a sight for sore eyes for Jet fans. We know what Inunua is, and I think he's maximized his abilities. The Jets rewarded him with a a very, very good contract, in my estimation, uh, that he and his people got. Four years, $36 million. He's physical. He he brings an attitude and an edge. Uh, He's tough to stop after the catch. Uh, He's worked really hard to get to this point. Jamison Crowder, I really believe, will be a factor for for the team this year and will be uh, a nice target for Sam Darnold working the slot. If Robbie Anderson can truly do the things that Adam Gase believes he's capable of as a route runner, he has a chance to become a legitimate all-around receiver. And then those deep balls take on even more importance because you have to respect other parts to his game. So to me, he's, he's the real candidate. I think Chris Herndon is very healthy. This four game suspension uh, to me is a big hit for this team. Uh, Ryan Griffin is capable and I think they'll try to, to use him to the best of his abilities, but the Chris Herndon absence uh, is, is going to 
uh, definitely be a hit for the offense. Uh, Le'Veon Bell as a pass catcher, Ty Montgomery as a pass catcher. Expect to see a whole lot of that as well in the early going as as the Jets try to be as as versatile and as multiple as possible on offense. And I think on the offensive line, Ryan Khalil was a really important signing. And you know, these people listening heard me rail off all off season about how the Jets did nothing at center. Uh, it was a great source of consternation for me. I will tell you. Um, and part of that's just because I, I, you look at the way – I, I think the center position, when the Jets have stalled on offense the last two, two years, I think a lot of it you can be traced back to the center position between Leslie Johnson and Spencer Long. And yeah. you know there, there are some questions about Khalil. I mean, he hasn't played in preseason yet, so there's a question of the chemistry he'll have with the other offensive linemen, the question will he be ready for week one. Question you know, at his age, can they squeeze another year out of him? These are, I think, these are legitimate questions. But I think it was really, it's the type of sign that might stabilize this offensive line and potentially allow this offense to go to the next level. Yeah, John, he's he's a pro's pro. He's very savvy. Uh, he's seen a lot. He's done a lot. But he is 34 years old, and clearly there was a point where he thought that was it. There was enough of a fire still burning for him to want to come back. And you know, clearly, $8.4 million doesn't hurt. And walking into a good situation with a young QB that uh, needs guidance, and they've got that USC connection as well, he has a huge key. Huge key. Uh, Osemele was a very good pickup. A couple of Pro Bowls, uh, championship experience with Baltimore and the back end of his deal, they're going to have a a large decision to make down the road in regards to him, but that's fine. If he plays well enough, that's a decision that, that you'd be willing to at least ponder if indeed he lives up to what they think he can be. Uh, Beecham is, is solid at left tackle. And it seems like Brandon shell is still developing and they seem to trust him. Uh, the Winters injury, even with that said, I don't think he's been a, a problem. He's He's been a, a very solid pro. So your point is well taken. It was that center spot. They needed to address it. Joe Douglas knew it. That's his bread and butter. That's his background. And they went out and got the best player available. Now the, the question is, uh, can he shake off a little bit of rust? And I know he's a perfectionist. Anyone you talk to will will tell you that. Uh, They don't need perfection. Uh, They just need someone to anchor this thing and to help bring Sam along and aid Sam in learning the ropes. It is time to celebrate. Football is finally back, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at the $1 million payday. So get in on the season opener action. 
Download the DraftKings app now and use code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, one word. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. And new users, don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter my code LOCKEDON to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code LOCKEDON only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It is a new NFL season, and much has changed. Le'Veon Bell, of course, is on the Jets. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders, and Odell Beckham Jr. is in Cleveland. This year, my bookie is hosting the first online handicapping super contest as well. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you have to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. There's also up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. You can double your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. You can visit MyBookie, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and you can use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid at MyBookie. We're here with Ian Eagle today. So we, we just talked about the offense now. Ian, I want to talk on the defensive side of the ball because the Jets made a move on cut down day that genuinely shocked me. And I, I've been watching the NFL enough to know that there's not there's a chance there's always a chance anything could happen. So I always try, even if there's a even if the chance is small, like I always try and never get, get myself caught off guard. I was shocked that the Jets cut Jakai Polite. I mean, I can't think of anything like it where a third round pick does not make it to week one just based on performance. I've, I mean, I've seen it happen a few times, but typically what's happened is the player got into some trouble off the field or there was some other issue there. I've never seen it where a third round pick gets cut and then nobody claims him and he goes to another team's practice squad before week one. Um, did you have any inkling that he was in? danger of missing the, the miss not making the cut yeah just prior to the new orleans game there was a little bit of scuttlebutt and i think initially it was dismissed by most people because it is so rare that a third round pick is not going to make the opening day roster it you know it's usually an embarrassment for the franchise because it means that you didn't do your job well on draft day now these are unique circumstances because the man that picked him, Mike McCagnin, is no longer with the organization. So this regime felt no connection. I don't know the inner workings. I don't have any inside information. I'm not privy to it regarding Gase and McCagnin. If there was an argument over Polite as a player and whether or not he would be someone that the Jets should be interested in, uh, there have been other unconfirmed reports regarding tardiness and fines. You have no idea if, if that really played a role or if that's just a spin after the fact to try to justify it. This turned out to be a perfect storm for, for Ja'Kai Polite. Uh, he drops on most draft boards. Again, the rumors circulate that he didn't do very well in the interview process and, and teams lost interest. But even with that said, usually as a third rounder, you're you're gifted a spot on the roster. You're normally not in jeopardy. 
this one is surprising, yes, but if the Jets are trying to do things the right way and are trying to create a new culture and they didn't feel as if this player fit into the culture, then I'm going to give them credit for dealing with it instead of just accepting the mistake and carrying him for a year to avoid the embarrassment. Uh, they pulled the Band-Aid off and, and they moved on. They like Kyle Phillips. They thought he outplayed Polite in the preseason. And look, he's a defensive lineman. Polite's an outside linebacker. It seemed as if, considering the Brandon Copeland situation, that if there was a spot that a rookie that might be on the fringe would be able to fill on this team, it would have been outside linebacker in this particular year. But uh, the team had other opinions on that. So you're right. It's, it's a little different, but maybe this is a sign of some sort that this new front office uh, doesn't really care about that stuff. And they just care about the best 53 players they can get. And I appreciate that. And in a way I kind of like it. And I, I don't remember all the details of this story. So please forgive me, but I remember when Parce- hearing this story about when Parcells first took over, and this is going to be very vague because I really don't remember many of the details, but in 97, I think there was some story I read about how the first day of training camp, they had two players at the same position. One was drafted very high. The other was drafted very low. And the guy who was drafted lower was playing with the first team. And I remember reading about how that just kind of sent a message through the locker room and it really resonated with people and you know like even the undrafted free agents got excited because they knew they were going to get a fair shake and you know it's i think there are some teams out there where draft status really matters when it comes to things like playing time or roster security and i think it it can send a good message to the team when you said when you say no you know what the best guys are going to be here best guys are going to get the playing time the best guys are going to make the team yeah, uh, I I believe that to be true. Uh, there are certainly cases where even recently with the Jets, uh, you can look at the player that was selected high enough and probably assume that they carried his roster spot for a while because they just didn't want to accept public humiliation that they made a mistake. Lorenzo Malden comes to mind immediately as a third-round pick that lasted with the Jets for you know, two, three years when he probably wasn't pulling his own weight nearly enough to to be on the team. So I think there is something admirable to it in a way. Uh, You hope that maybe it's a wake-up call for Polite. And look, if he carves out a 10-year NFL career, that would be a great story for him that he overcame it. But right now he's battling the, the walls of perception and he goes into a good situation in Seattle where if he's open to it, he'll be well coached and maybe developed. And maybe there's a better end to this story for him. But right now, it's no longer the Jets' problem. I think this is probably the last time you're going to hear about him for a while. I know Adam Gase was recently asked about him and uh, didn't really deal with it head on. And there was probably no reason for him to do it. It's not their concern anymore. They made the decision that they made, and you have to draw conclusions based on that decision. 
how much are the Jets expecting out of Quinn and Williams this year? I, I mean, I know they're expecting him to be a starter on defense, play a significant number of snaps, but are they? How good are they expecting him to be? How fast? Yeah, I don't know. You uh, you hear things that they rave about his football IQ, and they just think he's got the right personality to to handle all of this. But it's one of those positions in the NFL where it's it's hard to dominate that spot right away. Some guys have done it, but that's not the norm. He's young. He's 21 years old, and he's a fun-loving guy that I think right now is saying all the right things. We asked him in the preseason, just going up against NFL offensive linemen, any difference for you? And he basically said, no, football's football, and that's how I view it. And, you know, we said, uh, do you see that the game is faster? He goes, no, I think the game slowed down for me because I have great players around me. So, you know, I think he's anticipating these kinds of questions and is uh, spitting out answers because uh, he just wants to, to move on from, from the narrative. Greg Williams, the way that he runs his defense, he really is going to rotate a bunch of guys in there. So, yes, of course, they're expecting Quentin Williams to be an impact player. But I don't think the view is that Quentin Williams is now expected to be the defensive rookie of the year uh, without any questions. Uh, They know it's going to be a little bit of a process, and they know the job that he has in the trenches, although they'll move him around. I think you'll see him outside quite a bit as well. Uh, it's it's not always a pop-off-the-page kind of position. It, it takes a little while to establish yourself and to get into the rhythm of the NFL when you're battling inside like that. They expect Leonard Williams and Henry Anderson to have big seasons. And the only way that Quentin Williams is going to learn at the rate in which they would hope is if this thing is really clicking up front with all of those guys contributing, uh, they need more of a pass rush. Uh, There's no doubt about it. That was a problem last year. And considering the deficiencies or at least perceived deficiencies in the secondary right now, uh, that's going to even be a bigger issue uh, based on the the synergy that they're going to require on defense. Look, Greg Williams, he's going to break out a lot of creative stuff and aggressive. This is, this is how he rolls. This is how he's always rolled. And he'll take chances. Uh, he'll scheme them up. There's no doubt. But, I don't think they're going to put the kind of pressure on Quentin Williams that maybe some would anticipate the number three overall pick usually having on his shoulders. I, I don't think it's going to come from, from the coaching staff or at least in a public forum. Now, privately, uh, that's another story. Not sure what their expectation is, but my sense at least early on is uh, they're not going to put that much on his plate where they – expect him to be what he will eventually be right now. And my view is that I think he's going to help Leonard Williams quite a bit. You mentioned this a little bit that 
it's diff it's at that position it's difficult to really fill up the stat sheet and i feel like leonard williams is a little underappreciated because he's a very effective player but because he doesn't put up big numbers maybe people the perceptions that he's been something of a disappointment considering the hype uh, that came around him when the jets drafted him in 2015 and i just feel like putting the talent uh, like Quinn and Williams next to him, it means he's going to see less double teams. It's just going to make his life easier. And maybe we'll see the stats um, increase a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the hope. I mean, this is a big year for Leonard Williams and in his career and the path that he expects as an NFL player. This was a number six overall pick. He dropped to the Jets. If you remember back in 2015, Pro Bowler in 2016, maybe has taken a little bit of a step back the last couple of years, but I, I think you alluded to it. It's not a glamour spot in the defense that they've run the last couple of years. He has raw power. He's really strong against the run as well. The fifth-year option was picked up at $14.2 million. He's making a lot of money this year. Uh, I'm sure he sees himself as one of the guys that has received the five-year, $100 million deal. Uh, but he is going to have to back it up with production if he's going to get anywhere close to that conversation. So when we talk about this Jets defense, my view is that this is going to be a tough team to run on. When you talk, we talked about the guys on the uh, defensive line, You've got the addition of C.J. Mosley at linebacker. Even with the loss of Avery Williamson, you still have Jamal Adams, who's a premier run-stopping safety. So, I mean, yep. I think this is going to be a team that's very difficult to run on. But I really wonder how this team is going to be able to defend the pass because, as we alluded to, there's not really much of an edge rush. And I think it would be charitable to say that the corner position is a major question mark. It is. And they know it. There's nothing that they can do about it at this exact moment other than see how it plays out and hope that Greg Williams coaching really does stick and that Tremaine Johnson has a lot of pride and feels the need to bounce back and prove himself over that five-year, $72 million deal. You know, Daryl Roberts, uh, he's he's been a guy in the NFL. It, it's not – it's not a rip on him. He's getting the biggest opportunity of his life to step in and be a starting cornerback in the league. Brian Poole, who was signed to a fairly modest deal, it's one year, three and a half million dollars. Physical, certainly tries to play bigger than he is at five foot nine and lines up in the slot and does a lot of dirty work on the inside. I think he's capable, but Nothing that I just said is a surefire, can't miss, don't worry about scenario. It's just not. And they know that. There's a reason why they were entertaining the idea of a bunch of these other names playing more prominent roles. And once they realized in the preseason that they just they didn't have the goods, they had a they had to make a couple of decisions. So uh, it's a serious work in progress. They haven't played a game yet, yet everybody in the league knows it's a weakness right now. And that's 
even in a preseason where you don't show anybody anything in this league anymore. But it's it's as clear as, as the nose on on your face. It, it is what it is. They're gonna have to uh they're gonna have to hope that some guys step forward and and play above the level that many believe they are currently at. Um Tremaine Johnson in particular. You know, he was brought over to be a shutdown corner and to be a physical ball hawk, and we just did not see that last year. Uh, does it mean that it's not in him? No, uh, but it means that this is going to have to be a serious bounce back year for him. Last Jets question I have is simply my perception is that if kind of feels like this team has like a young leadership core emerging when you talk about Darnold and Jamal Adams and some of the other guys. Is that also your sense? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Jamal's a leader on defense. He's a vocal leader. He's 23 years old. It it feels like he's been in the league a long time and he's in just his third year. So that shows you uh, his imprint on this team and the fact that he's very well respected around league circles, pro bowler last year, uh, aggressive, sets the tone, I think has a lot of pride and really wants to see this thing through and see this organization become a winning organization. We talk about Darnold and just what he puts out there um, just naturally at 22 years old, that's a, that's a really positive quality to have at the quarterback position where uh, the guy that they're banking on has this aura of positivity. A lot of young players, uh, I think Le'Veon Bell's presence is going to help. He'll keep things loose. He's an energetic guy. He's a cut-up. Uh, he's well-liked by his teammates. That was the case in Pittsburgh, although things went awry based on the money. I think the offensive linemen started getting ticked off and basically everybody on that team just didn't want to answer questions about him anymore. He got out of there. Uh, that That's a chapter in the past, but he's in his prime. He's 27 years old. This is supposed to be the time that Le'Veon Bell is putting up the best numbers of his career. And if that's the case, the Jets are in for a serious treat. 2017, he had 1,291 yards rushing. He had 655 yards receiving. He had 11 touchdowns. And the Jets have just not had that at the position in, in quite some time. That's a dynamic player, an electric player. So you're right. Your assessment is, is correct. They're, they're a young team. They have a swagger and a confidence about them. I think people around the league are curious. They've peaked that emotion around the NFL that maybe, just maybe, if things in a perfect scenario go the right way, they could play meaningful football in the month of December. And for the fans of this team, that that would be – an uplifting experience considering what it's been like the last few years in particular. 
So, Ian, I, I told you before we started recording that I know you do some preseason games, but I always feel like your visit to this podcast is like the unofficial start of Ian Eagle season. Because, <laughs> you, know, you, you go kind of all out from this point forward up till the summer. So that's what, how was your summer and where are you going to be over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I have very drastic emotions when it comes to the calendar year because you're right this is this is the start of what turns out to be a really exciting and grueling stretch you can never complain about being involved in sports for a living and traveling around the country and going to great venues and working with terrific people so it's not a complaint it's just a realization that my life takes a very different turn uh, I'd say three years ago, my wife convinced me to not say yes to job offers in the summer and just shut it down over a five-week period. So it's almost like I'm a teacher, and my my sister actually was a teacher, and her husband was a teacher, so I did see their lives when they lived, they lived in the New York area and worked in the New York school system, and then they were out on Long Island and now are living uh, a different life in Florida. It's just, it's just a very different pace that I know is about to hit between football. Uh, I do Thursday nights on radio, obviously Sundays on TV, and then once the NBA starts and college basketball and and all of that. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'll be in Jacksonville week one for the Chiefs and the Jaguars for CBS then doing the Monday night game in New Orleans on Westwood one in, uh, I guess the last probably six years I've, I've been a part of the Monday night doubleheader in some form. And then a quick turnaround for Thursday night football week two on the radio. That is in Carolina, the Buccaneers taking on the Panthers followed by the Patriots and the Dolphins week two Sunday for CBS. So four games, eight days, and cramming a lot of names and numbers into my head as we speak. So I know you don't get your schedule that far in advance, but do you know of any Jets games you'll be calling yet this year? Uh, No Jet games on the schedule as of yet. I only know my first month of the NFL on CBS schedule. So a lot of that will have to do with how the Jets are performing and what kind of audience size they get and who the opponent is and where they fit into the landscape of the CBS scheduling. So uh, we'll see. Normally, as you know, John, a, a few jet games float my way, but um, there, there are no guarantees on the schedule. All right. I will ask you one more question, and I will preface it for those of you who are new to the show. I've been told I have a bit of a bizarre fixation with this topic, but I've always been fascinated by the blazer that you see Ian and other CBS announcers <laughs> wear. So, Ian, are, are there any changes to the CBS blazer this year? John, uh, you might be the only one charting this, but there are no changes to the CBS blazer. There was a new look blazer last year. It was more of a electric blue, a different tint. Even the the insignia was a little bit different than previous years. I know you would recognize this and would be cognizant of it. I don't know if the majority of the, the viewing audience would care. But 
it's the same one as last year. It's back again. And look, I've been pretty fortunate because I still fit into a 38 short after all these years. 1998 was the first time I got a CVS blazer sent to my house. I was doing a Vanderbilt at Arkansas College basketball game, February 7th of 1998. It was during the Winter Olympics as well. So they just needed some announcers that were stateside. And I got assigned the game. I'd never worked for CBS before. They sent me a blazer. I got it in the mail. And I will not lie to you, John. It was a big moment. When you unwrap that thing and open it up, it, it was a rite of passage. And, by the way, I was only hired for one game. So that could have easily been a one and done, where you put that in the closet and you you break it out maybe – in, at Halloween, but fortunately, <laughs> I ended up getting hired uh, for the NCAA tournament that year. And during the NCAA tournament, CBS acquired the rights to the AFC package and got hired to do that. So I've had a number of CBS Blazers sent to my house through the years. Well, I, I have two thoughts on this. Is first of all, so what you're telling me is that if I figure out a way to finagle myself into calling one game, just one game, I get a CBS Blazer. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's that's a fact. If you are appearing on CBS Air, uh, you are wearing the CBS Blazer. And the second second thing I'll tell you is that I I told you before we started recording that I was in Walt Disney World last week for the opening of uh, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge area in the Hollywood Studio. Park. I think that my level of anticipation was probably the same for the new CBS Blazers last year as it was for going <laughs> to that Star Wars park. And I'm probably the only person on earth who could say anything remotely resembling that. Oh my gosh. That it maybe the, the only thing that, that could top it is if if we got a CBS Blazer for Mark Hamill. That would be the only the only way to, to even remotely come close to your previous statement. That's like George Costanza, worlds colliding. I think that's the <laughs> only thing. Exactly. All right, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to do this uh, and uh, enjoy your year. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back again at some point to talk more Jets. Yeah, you got it, John. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy the season, bud. That's our show for today. A big thanks to our special guest, Ian Eagle, for stopping by. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like the show, subscribe to it. You can do it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, among other places. Leave it a good review. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk more Jets.